Man, what did you send me? I was driving when you sent it to me. What did you send? Oh, me? the the uh, Heinrich um, was is a poet. I was I was reading um, the book this morning, uh, the history of Jewish comedy, and it was it was in the Middle Ages, and it was talking about this poet Heinrich. Um, uh, Heinrich Heine, and he was a he, he, he was talking about uh, humor in relation to Jews that converted to Christianity, and so this this particular guy Heinrich Heine was this German oh, Jew, human humor in relationship to Jews who converted who to Christianity huh, okay. uh, throughout and. So he he well, was actually it was this was in the Romantic era that I was actually in, and Heinrich Heine was this um, Jew who uh, converts to to Lutheran. You know, he becomes a Lutheran um, in like his thirties, and um, he, um, but he was exiled for his. Um, he, he was he was exiled for his politics early on uh, in his life, and so he'd spent a bunch of time in Paris when Napoleon was in charge. Um, and so he came back. Uh, it, he, he came back. He ends up converting to Lutheranism and uh, becomes a a big proponent of German nationalism. And so this is what this is why it was something that I shared with you was because his arguments for German nationalism um, were mostly based on the fact that the conservatives who, because there was no Germany yet, Germany was still the Weimar whole, Republic at that point. Yeah, it? It, was, it was a whole series of small um, states, not, you know, states, meaning different countries that all spoke German that had sort of an agreement on how they were dealing with one another. And, um, but the response, so a lot of the uh, progressives who were the nationalists at the time that were arguing for a united German uh, centralization of the government of all of the German states into one place, the, uh, they were taking over media. And so the uh, conservatives who wanted things to say, stay um, the way they traditionally had been what they did was they used the law to make it illegal or they basically just took over the media with the coercive power of the law. And then all of the Christians were like, no, that's not right. The press needs to be free because they're the fourth estate. You, if you try and, and so all of the Christians jumped onto the nationalist bandwagon over the free press issue because the Traditionally, the press was free um, by law because it was their job to keep the everyone informed so that you could have the balance of powers between the church, the, um, the, the church, the state and the people. Now it's the press's job. Well, the uh, and so then they all jump on board and say, maybe we do need nationalism to protect the free press. And within one generation, you have World War I um, brimming because nationalism brought with it a particular understanding of economics uh, that 
caused World War One. But uh, boy, and, all, we, all we wanted to do is to get the press free. We did it right. for intentions of free press. But they, but they, they did it by creating a power um, that that hadn't existed before, which was by centralizing power. Um, and so, so the progressives, That's Machiavellian, then, right? It That's is. So the progressives yeah. were that had been arguing for the centralization of power used this illegal, illegal in the sense of um, kind of that, the way, thank you. Uh, the way things had been done, they used that illegal move to clamp down and control the press by the um, different, uh, different sort sort of royal houses of Germany because there was a whole series of royal houses. The royal houses of Germany were the ones that were clamping down and trying to control the press. They used that illegal move to get all of the Christians who loved law to say, "Yeah, we should actually maybe maybe we do need nationalism to protect the law because you've got these small smaller governments that are breaking the law." And so, um. Yeah, it it was a really interesting story, and and um, the the uh, but the use of humor amongst the progressives was a major reason because they were the the romantics the, the, um, that loved loved all things German and and uh, um, the and had a funny sense of humor and uh, this uh, this Jewish Lutheran um, was. Uh, was central in getting the Christians to jump on board and defend the free press um, because he had seen uh, he had seen basically post-revolution France under Napoleon and and really saw that you had some great stuff going on there. And so he was like, we need something like a unified France up here in Germany. Um, that Napoleon brought about, but he wasn't there during the bloody parts of the revolution. He was there after the revolution had fallen apart and Napoleon had been brought in to set things right with a really heavy hand. Uh, and uh, he, so it's a really, it was just, a, I thought it was a really telling story. Um, and I'd never heard of, of this particular poet. Um, so, can, can, so, so okay, I, I want to. There's man, I should write this down because I don't want to lose this trail. Um, my mind just thought about when things go a particular direction, like we see them going right now in America, where our constitution isn't followed. We don't even under, understand the difference between the powers of states, counties, cities. You know, the federal government relation between states to the federal government. We have no concept of all that. Everything is all. The economy is controlled by the government. Um, so everything is out of whack. And then you have this, it's not really a deep state anymore. It's kind of just how how we operate now. It's just yeah, yeah. public. It was there a deep no... state. It, it was a deep state like under Nixon. Now it's a surface yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just normal. <laughs> and so then there is this natural inclination inside of a people for a person to come and just wreck shop. Where is Samson, right? Where is yeah. the king? Where is the man who's going to come and wreck shop and put everything back? And so when you see somebody who is a bold man, who is willing to fight like Trump, take a stand and lay some things right, 
it's easy for him. It's easy for you and anybody else to say, yes, finally, right. somebody is coming in, going to restore things back the way they were. Um, but so in, in a way, I mean, I know it's not a one to one, but it's you can easily see how Napoleon can be wanted. Right. Yeah. And it, that's what it, that's what ended up happening is Napoleon was welcomed. Because the the chaos was so uncomfortable. Um, the and and I think that's what that's the that's the temptation is when the chaos is uncomfortable to say we just got to we just got to get rid of the uh, chaos when it that's actually not a good enough argument like it's we need less chaos we do need less chaos but replacing it with a loss uh you know the the i mean it's hard to speak for germany but <laughs> when you look at the the trajectory that they ended up on overall it was a loss um yeah the the, the so you've got this really difficult um situation where there's so instead of saying let's go after the thing that's illegal and try and get that fixed they go after they they say we need an institution in which this won't happen again um i think i've told the story before but um when enron came through and made their uh and and took advantage of all those folks and it was a, a th through their creative accounting um <laughs> you had uh the you had people on the left um in particular the um oh the the representative of San Francisco who what's her name she, the uh, why can't i think of this Scary lady. <laughs> You're not she, about Pelosi. she was, yeah, yeah, Pelosi. So oh, yeah, Pelosi yeah, stood up, Pelosi. yeah, yeah. Pelosi stood up and she said, "This law is broken, or this this law has been broken. We need a law that can't be broken. Let's we need to rewrite the accounting law so that we have a law that can't be broken." So and you think, what are we? What exactly are we talking about? So the law that that previous law was called the Anderson project, the accounting law. And that was written by my grandfather who was an elder in a Lutheran church. And, and um, the, so that law caught Enron and sent people to jail. And Pelosi said that, that, that law is not working because, because somebody was able to break it. Yeah. Right. We need unbreakable laws. Um, and that's a, um, that's a different, it's a whole, wholly, completely different understanding of laws and institutions and human nature and everything. So what you have um, going on in, in Germany at the time and just throughout Europe and eventually in America was the, we've got a problem in the institution. Let's get an institution that won't have problems. Rather than saying, "Well, of course, it's 
uh, you know, it's the God designed obsolescence that all institutions have to go through. Uh, back in you know, 2000, 1999, 2000, I read an, an article by my uncle who's a Baptist pastor. Uh, he wrote an article called God's planned obsolescence about um, the, the institutions that humans build all all have a an expiration date. We don't know what it is when we're building it, but we can just assume this thing's got an expiration date. And if it's going to last long term, it's going to have to go through deaths and resurrections because it's a human institution and humans uh, have a uh, ha or have a bent heart. So he said, we just that's why we trust in Jesus, not in any of the mm. human institutions. Um, and that when a human, when an institution starts to go wonky, um, you, you can you can fight for it, but you fight for it out of faithfulness, not out of hope. Right? The the institution is not the hope. Uh, the, Jesus is the hope, and He tells us to fight for the institutions, and so we do it out of faithfulness, not because if this institution falls, then we have no hope. Yeah, um, and uh, it, it's it's a view of institutions that says they can go through deaths and resurrections because they're human institutions. And in order to follow Jesus, a, a person has to go through deaths and resurrections and an institution has to go through deaths and resurrections. It's got to take on the shape of its Lord and savior. Um, so uh, we should expect that for, from all the institutions and, but it's just, like every death and resurrection, it's an uncomfortable thing. And to try and say, we're going to build an institution that won't ever have to do that is to say, is to serve Demos rather than Jesus, you know, that. Yeah. I was even thinking, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking one of the most uncomfortable things you can put a conservative Christian American generalized, generally speaking in the most uncomfortable situation you can put them in or make them kind of have to think or kind of be taken off is to say, don't trust the constitution more than Christ. Right. right? Yeah. And they'll, they'll be right. like, I, well, I don't, but I mean, you got to have the, and then the, the, the all, there's this uncomfortable merger, I think in conservative American loving Christians with this trust of the constitution as being a, a God given document, not like the Bible, but I mean, it's close. It's like, man, right. it's right. Mm, you know, it's just like those two. And it's like, no, you don't understand. The word of God, the scripture, Christ, high above all of it. And all of these other institutions have to bend the knee, period, right. not right. the end, right? But it, it's uncomfortable to even the, the most conservative ones to be like, oh, because I think we, we're we not being honest, really, in where we're holding. We love. I love our Constitution. I really do. I'm grateful right. for it in a lot of ways. I don't think that we had to have it. I'm probably an anti-federalist at the end of the day, maybe. <laughs> I probably, I probably, I'm, I, I, I lean that way. There's parts of me like, ooh, they was right. They was right. Um, right. Uh, but I'm grateful for this. It's what we have and I'm, I'm willing to work with. I'm grateful for it. But I want to make sure that I keep the main things, the, 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 uh, the scriptures and the word of God and God's law and God's standard always above everything else far far above everything else and so long as what we make in our american institutions that are mimicking that that are modeling that then amen right right but not oh these two are you know no but i think it makes americans 
uncomfortable in a lot of ways to have to admit that so starkly, like just to make that very stark admission yeah. about the two. Well, and I, and I think, yeah, I, I think the anti-federalist papers are more convincing than the federalist papers. I also think that the constitution was then voted in as the law of the land. And so even if I got to go back and vote against it, it still would end up the law of the land. Yeah. And so you have to deal with it as the law of the land. And there's a legal way to improve the law. And there's an illegal way to try and improve the law. Um, but you know, we should always assume that human laws need to be improved. Um, and that our, and so that shouldn't be as uncomfortable as it is, but it it is pretty uncomfortable for most it American is. conservatives. And um, but that's I think that's because we don't we haven't we don't have a better story to tell about the future, and so all we've we're holding on to the story of the past. Um, the I mean the I just. Um, came across just discovered uh, a book I haven't read it yet but it's a new um, here I you just, go got uh, me already ready to go no, to this Amazon is, to grab some more books because this you isn't discovered. one this isn't one that you look at and say man we've got to make sure and um, read this one I don't think but what I there was a science fiction book um, that kicked off the American Socialist, the uh, the American Socialist Party. Um, it was all around a uh, a late eighteen hundred science uh, science fiction book where a person falls asleep and then wakes up in the year two thousand, and uh, and everything socialist, and they say how how did this happen? And um, he describes the long march through the institutions. Um, I, and I'd heard that phrase before, but I didn't know where it came from. It came from a science fiction book that con that basically converted all of these young folks to um, to socialism and communism. And so when uh, spies from the USSR started coming around looking for people to join up, um, that that the uh, they would do reading groups of that book of this science fiction book. In order to gather people to the socialist uh, to socialism, it was really interesting. They gave really them imagination. They gave, yeah, them so, imagination. They yeah. gave so, but it was a people that didn't have a a, a future facing story, mm. right? They were. It was a very cynical. the The conservatism was very cynical, and had been um, uh, upended by World War One and World War Two, and they had walked away from any sort of. Uh, story about the future that didn't involve the ultimate destruction of everything. Um, and so you had this, this, these generations that were prepped for socialism by the cynicism of the previous generations. And all they needed was somebody to come and tell a believably optimistic story. And so um, they weren't, they weren't fighting. They, they were willing to, uh, you know, they were true believers in communism because the their imagination said it's it's a better story. Um, it's a more 
it's a it's a more effective story. I mean, and, and if it weren't if it weren't for guys like Walt Disney trying to fight back with a with a the beauty of family, the beauty of wait uh, what of conservatism, I, we they would have taken over a long time ago. Wait, no, no, you so uh, don't don't be doing stuff like that. Don't just be like, <laughs> if it wasn't for Walt Disney, we all be socialists right now. I'm like, what? No, no, he yeah. was just making Bambi. That's all he was doing. What you talking <laughs> no, about? No, he was he was a um he he was the first whistleblower on communists trying to take over Hollywood. You shut up. Mm -mm. Yeah, so he does he, he know said, that they won and they took Disney too? <laughs> well, because he was he was um he was you're still in the middle of the fight. So um, like the jungle book, he, the whole thing was, is basically in opposition to Rousseau. Right. So what you've got. Yeah. So you've got this kid out in the jungle and you think, it, and you meet him and, and it's a Rousseauian paradise, right? He's, there's no society. He, so he's not going to have any sin. He's not going to have any, because society is caused by sin. And so, He's out there and um, it looks really great because he's trained by Baloo. And, uh, but then th as things start to go wrong, um, you, you have the, this realization that uh, uh, um, he, he th well, things start to go wrong because you've got this guy, the, the monkey that comes along and says, I want to be like you, right? I want to be man. I want to. And so, and and the this this fight begins, and so you think, oh my gosh, this is a Rousseauian, this is a Rousseauian story, right? The first, this all the setup, except for where does he actually take it? He ends up taking it to the um, to go to the actual society of people, right? So the um, that and what is it that finally fights against the animalistic nature? Uh, it's he meets a woman. Oh, you he shut up. He sees his first woman. You shut up! No! Right? No! He sees no, a girl, and he's like, oh, wait a second. I better tame. I gotta tame no. this internal animalistic nature if I want any of that. And the song she sings to him <laughs> is, I, I'll grow up. I'll be a mom. I'll stay at home. I'll take care of the dishes. I'll take care. I'll cook you food. Uh, and we'll we'll build a beautiful life together, and then we'll go out and garden the world around us, right? She sings that song to him, and he walks away from the 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 animalistic um, version of laissez-faire capitalism that you've got um, amongst the monkeys, and the fake Rousseauian um, socialism that you have amongst the panther, uh, amongst the the wolves and the panthers, right? He walks away from both of them to a home to have children and garden. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful story because he splits down the middle, right? He doesn't say, what are our options? Laissez-faire capitalism or socialism? He says, no, our options are families, right? That's what we need is we need families where a, a beautiful woman um, and a strong man come together and bring each other's strengths into unity and and garden the world around them. It's it's such a great and that was the that was the last movie that Walt Disney himself controlled the story on. Uh. 
right? It's so, so he said, so don't you give me no more. Don't you give me no more. I can't, pro I got to process this. Hold on. No, so it's only, it's, okay. He's so the, he's the reason that he's the reason that we didn't become communist when everyone else did. It's Walt Disney. So two things from that first, I didn't even know how much that shaped me growing up. Right. Did had no idea. But it had an impression on me that I wasn't even aware of watching um, yeah, Jungle Book, right? You, you rewatch that, the song that she we're sings to We're him. watching it for, for our Friday movie for family night. Yeah. This Friday is going to be the Jungle Book. So that, the song she sings to him at the end, it's so beautiful. And it's so absolutely anti-woke. It's <laughs> but I mean, okay. it's, that's not the point of it. The, it's not trying to. It's just beautiful. He knows. He knows how beautiful um, the marriage uh, marriage is. He knows how beautiful it is when a when a young boy and a young girl fall in love with one another, and they want and then want to make a family together. He's just like it's so beautiful. That's my argument. It's gorgeous. So again, two things. One, that's amazing that, that I never knew that that blew my mind just now, and I'm still processing it. The second thing is, we're screwed. <laughs> right. Well, because we don't, we're no, not I mean, prepped to tell stories. Uh, we, yeah, conservative. We're screwed. Right? Like, we, live in, we're, we live in response to everything until we build a storytelling infrastructure and, and you know, tell. So parents can tell stories to their kids. So we're not. We're not completely screwed because we've still got that. Um, but our the the storytelling infrastructure of our society has been taken over, uh, and so no one I mean, no one today is thinking. I, I'm sorry, Jason. Sorry, I got to interrupt you and just rant just for two. Just give me two seconds. No one today is thinking to themselves, "Hey, you know what? The best way to fight critical race theory is to tell beautiful stories." Right. In opposition right. against it. no one has said, hey, you know, the way to fight Marxism right now. How about we tell we write a cartoon? Right. Like, yeah. no, like the, the only reason that people the only reason that people are telling stories um, or trying to get into the movie industry is all reactive uh, it, to um, we just need this not woke. It's not. Right. Hey. We've lost the moral imagination of our people. And so they believe they have a cosmology breakdown of how the world works. Yeah. Let's tell stories that revive that cosmology so that they understand and have a moral imagination of what this world really is and what it should be. So then right. if we tell stories, then we forget the post-millennial side of it. What we tell stories is the world is, is damned. It's going to hell. Get up out of here as quick as you can. Like when yeah. the rapture happens, like that's that's our that's our moral imagination is left behind. That's totally. American Christianity moral imagination. Even and if we're not, you know, acting like it in every way, that's influenced the way that we think. That's it is. insane. It's true. We and but it's because we don't believe reality is beautiful anymore, and so we're not willing to. We, we, we're not willing to learn the crafts that remind people that reality is actually beautiful. 
because that's what we're fighting for is reality, right? We're, we're arguing. I mean, it, uh, this is my, this is the way I think about it at least is reality is there. Our job is just to point to, to it and say, look how beautiful that is. Right. Reality. When we, we got an easy we, job. We got an easy right, job. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and this is why you still had Christians able to um, jump in and get to really high levels in Disney again in the nineties um, because the, the socialists took over in the late sixties and ruined Disney. So by the end of the eighties, they were making terrible stuff again and um, or terrible stuff because they were trying to form reality rather than trying to embrace it, trying to, it worked. It worked. It it did, except for it ruined Disney, right? So they were losing money. And so they had to bring in. uh, So, but there were Christians that got brought back in to make uh, the Lion King to uh, Mulan. You know, some of these movies, uh, there were a a Christian storytelling group that got brought back into the heart of Disney and basically was able to revive Disney again. Um, And then once they had the capital, they started pushing the Christians back out and getting bad at it again. Pixar had Christian folks starting it, telling the stories, writing the, or, or the, that kind of golden age Pixar, Pixar movie. Um, and then they got brought into Disney again because Disney was losing itself. Um, so you've got this, uh, you know, same, same thing with, uh, yeah, so you, you've got this pattern where the, the, progressives now they own the institutions but they can't actually continually tell stories because they don't they want to form reality they like socialism it can only last for so long because you still need people working who are inventive and making money (laughs) and then after they're all gone you're like well what do we make and what do we do and you dry up like Margaret Thatcher says, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a socialism is great until you run out of other people's stories as well. Right. right? Yeah, you don't have your own. It's a it's a tick. It 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 has to suck on the blood of something else. Did when we it ever... dries out its its uh, host, then it's it needs done. to be revived. And so it brings yeah, Christians in to revive it. So that's at, so that's why we we need inst- we need our we we need to joyfully learn the craft get good at the job and be and be telling stories that uh just point out reality say look how beautiful that is did we ever that's our argument i don't know if we ever talked about um i don't know if we ever talked about buzz light you're on the show did we ever talk about buzz light you're on the show i don't know if i, I, I don't yeah remember. i think we did yeah i, I just, we, did. we were just talking about like the fact that i think i might have said that you know it's it's such a lie but you won't figure it out, but for 20 years. Right. Right. So, yeah. you know, if you're a kid watching a 12 year old or a 10 year old, a six year old watching Buzz Lightyear, when the receipts come, you're going to be really, really ticked that a woman and a woman can't have a baby. Right. And the reality of that, that you've lived with that moral imagination shaping that reality, and there's no joy there. There's no, the life is just, drained out of you because that's not sustainable at all. You're not designed that way. The world doesn't function and flow that way. Everything is fighting against you in nature. And you're fighting that way because your moral imagination is shaped that way. And then when the receipts come, you're like, wait, Disney lied to me. 
like the, the <laughs> right. whole the whole world has been lying to me and it's like no 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 your moral imagination was shaped by something that was a lie and you've been lying to yourself with that story so it's, it's not sustainable you're going to come to a point in your life where you're like that doesn't work it can't work and right. then you're going to have given up your own life it's going to make you super big we're going to have a bunch of angry bitter nasty people who have believed a particular worldview and they're going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to get it anyway. And that's what yeah. we're running into with the trans stuff. I'm going to get it anyway. Give me the knife. Give me the, the book that I can choose. Eugenics has to, has to come back. It's, it's not mm -hmm. an accident that eugenics is coming back to where, it is, where it's being popular again because the moral imagination is being shaped by what it is I should be able to have because that's what right. I want because that's what Disney sold me, right? Like your moral imagination is going to require a eugenic type of culture to get what you want, you know, it's going to push that envelope. And so, right. Um, I'm, go ahead. I didn't, I want to ask you another question, but, move on, but I'll, I'll let you talk on that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just, we, the, and the temptation is going to be to embrace a Napoleon, right. That promises Who, on one that, side or the other. Yeah. On one side or the other that, that promises give me enough power and I'll make it. So, yeah. Um, and that's, that's always the, the temptation is to say, oh, okay, apparently we haven't gathered enough power into one man's hands. Um, and that's just not not good. Jason, when I think about so when I when I became reformed, uh, there's a lot of things that happened. I was coming from the charismatic church and my hunger for doctrine, I don't remember thinking what's shaped me, uh moral my moral imagination. Those are like presuppositional things, right? That's a this is presupposition way before you start um, operating. Those things have already shaped you and formed you. And so you just operate a certain way. Yeah. But when I started finding apologetics, it started letting me know that there was things that I didn't know. And so the stuff that I don't know, I, don't, I can't operate on. Um, I think Pastor Wilson, a couple Sundays ago was talking about this. He said, imagine that, you know, uh, as soon as you said your prayer for repentance and God saves you, an angel comes and knocks on the door and hands you a bag. And uh, it's just like the greetings, like, and amen, ding. All right, here goes your Christian package. Here's your package. Have a great day. And the angel drops <laughs> off the bag and you got the bag. And you're like, oh, cool. And uh, you're so excited about the moment you take the bag and you put it aside and you keep going about your, your Christian life, right? 10 years pass, you never open up the bag. And so one day <laughs> you come across this bag in the closet and you're like, oh, I got this Christian bag. That's right. The angel did bring that to me. And you open up the bag and you find a checkbook in there. And that checkbook has a balance of over $10 million. <laughs> how, and he asked the question, how long have you been a millionaire? Right. <laughs> You've been a millionaire All since the time. time uh, yeah, since the, the first amen, right? You know, and the doorbell rings and it hands you the bag. That's, but, and you don't operate on it until you know, right? Like when you realize it's like, oh, I have a checkbook that can do some things, right? Right, and, right. Um, I think he, in the context, I think he was talking about prayer, but um, also, but I thought, I thought that was excellent because there's a lot of that comes along with that is with knowledge of what you have and what's going on. You, you, you can look at the context and be like, oh man, God, I have these things. I can operate in this now. And that's what it was like for me becoming reformed is, man, there's a whole nother world of Christianity that I don't even know about. I've never been privy to, and I've been operating in this inside the 
introductory room, <laughs> right? Like it's like a gaming. I walk into the main room and you suit up and you're like, this is the main thing. It's like, no, there's other levels and stages. This is just entry level where you get your sword and your shield and your cloak right. and you walk out. But I've been operating like this is normal or this is the the real world. And so when I found Reformed, I was like, man, all this knowledge, all this information. And I've got and and then I found out about the Reformation. Oh, wow. <laughs> Reformation. We've been here before. I started realizing that the charismatic movement was basically earthly, early Catholicism. It was just like, oh, we've been here before. We're, we're in church and a pastor would bring out a red bag that had glow sticks in it and that you can plug in. And he would say, hey, this has helped my prayer life. And so if you want to have a strong prayer life, you plug one of these things into the wall and at night it will light up and it will cause you to get on your knees and pray and strengthen your prayer light. And I want to sell you one. of No, he didn't say sell. And I want to <laughs> bless you one of these for $50. So anybody who wants to have a strong prayer life, bring $50 yeah. up here. And, and that was, it was so normal. Like we would have yeah. handkerchiefs that were anointed. You want a miracle? Well, this one had miracle written on it and it had the anointing oil attached to it. And that was a $20 handkerchief and you had right. $150 handkerchief. You want a new it, car handkerchief? We it's sell just you the fourteen ninety eight Roman Catholicism. That's that's what it yeah. was. That's exactly what it was. It was just Catholicism, but because of our ignorance, we had no idea that we were we we were completely opposed to Catholics. We right. were <laughs> like Catholicism. Uh, uh-uh, we would never do that, and we're practicing it right then and there in our church. We had no concept of it, and, and so, but I got so wrapped up into the knowledge and the information of Reformed theology that I never got into, I'm starting to now in the last 10 years, maybe understanding the fruit of the Reformation. So when we talk about Reformation in anywhere, you pick any group that has a conference that is talking about the gospel, they pick out justification, sanctification, um, uh, interlapsarianism, They'll, they'll pick out all the doctrinal issues of the Reformation and talk about the importance of those but they never talk about what the Reformation produced in culture. Yeah. They never talk about law at all. They act like just justification was the issue, and that's in some sort of spiritual environment about the Reformation. But they never talk about justification as it relates to political science. Right? They never talk about justification as it relates to art. They never talk about the Reformation's impact on society and culture and what the Reformation actually produced in people and beauty. They never talk about that. And so I guess part of what I want to ask you is like, we have um, one of the professors at NSA said, I asked him, why do do we study Latin? What's the point in studying Latin? And he said, Knox, we have found Calvin's works in Latin. And we act like that's all there was. He's like, there are so many other works that we have not even begun. He said a mountain of works that we haven't even begun to translate that had to do with society and culture and education and beauty and art and and, and science that we have not even begun to, to delve into because we're stuck at the entry level of theology. Right. He's like, and there's so much more. And so it made me wonder what else, what did the Reformation give us that we never talk about? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was um, the just this last Sunday morning, I was reading through the Institutes and 
um, Calvin talks about the importance of the liberal arts in expanding your imagination to be able to enjoy the world that God made. Right? Interesting. This is John Calvin. And we don't, we, we don't do that. And he said, and he says, just bumping into it does a lot to expand your ability to enjoy. He said, but imagine drinking deeply of the, uh, at that well. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's what, that's what the Reformation wanted for everybody, right? They wanted everybody to have an, they, their imagination expanded. I mean, that's one of the things that I think actually studying Latin or a different language does is you, you suddenly start to be able to uh, expand your imagination into multiple arenas that were unavailable to you before, right? So if you are, um, you know, you learn you learn, say, Spanish, and you start to be able to think in Spanish, and you see a whole nother set of metaphors, a whole nother set of of connections that people have made in the past, poetic connections, uh, because that's what that's what language offers us. Uh, and it expands your imagination to be able to think in a broader and and deeper way. And I mean, that's why uh, he, even the guys who did a lot to destroy Christianity uh, in the West they studied uh, um, the classics because they and and learned to think, uh, you know, expanded their imagination to the point that they could think outside of the normal ways of doing things. But they were they were thinking against reality rather than with reality. Our job is just to figure out reality and then enjoy the beauty of it, display the beauty of it, tell stories and and write poems and songs and. Uh, and create art th that displays the beauty of it. And that's what the reformers did. I mean, that, that's, that's what the reformation caused, I guess you'd say, that made it so potent, so effective. You know, the, the, um, if you just search for the Dutch masters, for example, and look through the painting that the reformation inspired, um, you can see how you look at that and you think, oh, I want to be a part of that movement. What is that? Right there, and but what did they do? Well, they restored painting, um, painting people as you found them, right? So they moved away from kind of the Neoplatonic painting of the High Middle Ages or the Late Middle Ages, um, and uh, towards a, a realistic painting style um, that really is beautiful because uh, they captured the beauty kind of of everyday things, the beauty of everyday people. And um, you had the same movements in poetry because the because of the Reformation, uh, and this is uh, Marilyn Robinson, the book I'm reading right now is called The Givenness of Things. And um, she's got a whole essay on, she's a, a writer, she's a novelist, but just a, a whole essay on why she's so grateful for the Reformation because the Reformation is what made novels possible. Novels, n novel means new, um, or uh, but it, and it also uh, means small. You know, um, so it's a, a new form uh, of uh, of literature that picks up the small things about life and rejoices in them. Mm. So. The novel is literally not possible without the Reformation because you um, 
because the novel or because the Reformation exalted normal people into positions of importance, not not into political positions of importance, but that the normal life of your average person became something that was worth enjoying. Mm. Um, you they didn't you didn't have to speak latin you didn't have to become a monk you didn't have you could go home to your family and live a fulfilling christian life um in in the day to day so one of the um important books was called pierce plowman and it's about a a plowman's um uh, it's a it's a long extended poem about a plowman trying trying to figure out how to serve god as a plowman it's the equivalent of saying, um, you know, the Reformation is a is a uh, Re Reformed Christianity is a religion for truck drivers, right? That that's the the plowman is sort of the truck driver of that age, right? Blue collar worker, uh, live in live in uh, the the normal life. Who he goes out and loves to come home, right? That and. And it gives meaning to that person's life. They don't have to um, go to seminary. They don't have to speak Latin. They don't. They could. Uh, they're uh, they're exalting that normal everyday life into an important into a position of it just as important as whatever the king does. Because before God, they have the same sort of relationship, and they've each got a calling, and that calling is is um, is of equal value, right? Um, so the like the Janet that's, that's like vocation. Yeah. That's what that's what yeah. Luther talked about with vocation, right? Right. The doctrine of vocation, but it was a whole it was a whole metaphysical restoration of of an earlier understanding mm. that that had been lost in the high middle ages, right? Because you go back to uh Dante, Chaucer, Boccaccio, these uh, previous Christian authors um who didn't really necessarily like the papacy much <laughs> all of them uh and they are they're writing this the those kinds of stories just you know there's a story about your average um you know baker your average guy you know, right. working working um or a story about um a, a woman who loses two three husbands and has to remarry right um, she doesn't hold an office. She's not the queen. She's not anybody. But her life is valuable enough to tell the story of. Well, that that Christian humanism that is it explodes and spreads throughout the entire Reformed world. And so you get the novel. You get uh, the uh, the poetry. You know, poetry that's about everyday life. You get poetry that starts to be in the average language the average language that people speak in because they start to recognize the poetic beauty of everybody uh, of even the smallest life um uh, the smallest least important life actually has a poetic beauty in its in when it reflects reality um and that's something that the reformation restores or really brings to its peak in in the West. And so, you know, uh, Marilyn Robinson basically says, I'm grateful for John Calvin because I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for the fact that he reminded us that the average person speaking French and serving the Lord is a beautiful thing. Uh, right. That that's why we have 
novels story you know um and that that's why jane austen is after the reformation and you don't have anything like it before the reformation uh that that's why you have I mean, you wouldn't have harry potter if it weren't for john calvin that's <laughs> yeah there's a lot of christians mind just went <laughs> oh yeah and Never! i mean that is, i mean that is a good thing just, just yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> what else is what else so you got literature what else is you know because when we started talking last night i had to get off the phone with you because you brought this up and i was like don't say anything else i do not want to do this show <laughs> But I was trying to think of other things that we got from the Reformation that we don't know, because we, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have the theological foundation was the was the beginning marks of something else that was radical in, in culture and society. But we don't think about it that way, you know. We think of Reformation being something that is just church focused, right? I mean, you know, we think of it just being a seminary. Bread, uh, forming and f- and and uh, f- um, shaping of um, a ecclesia uh, uh, ecclesiology, right? Like, and right, uh, yeah, but we don't have it for anything else outside of that. We don't see reformation for society. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I mean, I think th- this is what's you so took your coat off. You I, it must about to get real now. You took your yeah, coat it off. Is. It's like oh snap. So, um. The, the normal pattern throughout the church is that the pastor preaches sermons, the people in the pew are transformed, and the people in the pew go out into the world and they transform the sphere that God has given them. Right? Um, and, and that happens in all of the different spheres. So you've got some of the, um, you know, some of the great businessmen of the history of America, uh, were very strong Christians and, you know, you, and they started businesses that said, I'm going to, I want to start the kind of business that, that Paul talks about when he says, work hard with your hands so that you can be generous. Um, No longer steal, uh, but instead work hard with your, with your own hands so that you can be generous. And, and, and uh, they took a lot of the stories from the Proverbs really seriously uh, but also the stories from the Gospels really seriously. And they said, how do we build a business that reflects these realities? Uh, but you also have a, um, you know, a lot of the music that ends up being really um, transformative throughout the world grows up out of the church. So you've got some some of the kinds of music <laughs> that were really popular weren't directly out of the church, like... Um, Sousa, Sousa style marches and things don't those don't really have a a church um root uh but but the um you know we i mean we literally call it gospel music still um that's been one of the most influential forms of music um soul music that, that comes out of that uh, rock and roll comes out of that uh the the um a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the uh, early rap um, comes out of the that uh, uh, that call and response tradition within the church, and um, so the uh, just twentieth century music um, is a major influence on the music. It is the the fact that 
people are they learn their music from church or the music at church is so great that they can't that it doesn't stop at the doors it flows out and um you see it in in a lot of the uh country you know, music country blues you know uh they're singing out of ecclesiastes their you know, early early stuff is is based on the bible and it it flows out because it's so good they want to hear it again let's let's hear it again in the afternoon let's hear it again during the week uh, let's and it it hits the the uh, circuit because it's so good so the tw- i mean 20th century music i think is a good example of how that works now it ends up a lot of it um because there isn't um because the church doesn't retain its backbone through the 20th century um a lot of it then ends up getting um used for ulterior well the pastors we lost i mean we lost the pastors i was just reading gabe brought it up yesterday i don't know it's gonna see if it was over here i was gonna grab the article but gabe brought it up yesterday the pastor at saddleback church the new pastor now has just um I think ordained his wife to be a co-pastor with him or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you lose, you lose the, you lose the churches, you lose the pastors. Yeah. And then of course, whatever then is produced there, it's still going to have an impact into the society. Right. Right. Got- well, that, yeah, the, the, the waters flow that direction. That's it. So when we tr- start trying to bring the, uh, bring the waters of the world back in you you get really stagnant ugly uh society because the waters are flowing out of the church right and so when you're trying to also bring the world's water in in order to make it flow out you get really ugly ponds very scummy ponds yeah it's i I don't part of what scares me about there's a couple of things. I want to talk about how we get a what, what does the Reformation look like now and the beginning of that. I kind of want to talk about if Walt Disney were alive right now and he had the same sort of attitude he had when he wrote Jungle Book. What would he make? I want to those. Are the, I want to get there. But I, I, what? Why is it that the way that we can look at the Reformation now, if we let's say that we had a Reformation happening in America right now, the way that people's minds are they wouldn't expect that rev- reformation to have any impact on society whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. They would, they would expect a whole bunch of people to be transformed and regenerated and renewed, but they just think that that would somehow be locked inside of this church walls or inside of a home. They have no impact on, on that. It would actually, what I'm basically saying is they have no post-millennial understanding of the gospel. Right. Like th- their gospel doesn't really impact and affect the world in a way where society changes, art becomes more beautiful, um, technology advances even beyond because of how it serves men in honoring God and made in the image of God. They don't have a, a, a an, an imagination where pastors started preaching in such a way where they believe the word of God, honor the word of God. And, and proclaimed it boldly that God really does forgive people. And they wouldn't expect, though, that if, if that Reformation started happening, if it started hitting politics, and those other things, they would be like, what's going on? Right? Right. The, 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 you know. And 
what's nice is it actually does whether we want it to or not. So that's just you know the way reality but, but, works. But, but, yeah, but, but then we fight it though. But yeah, then we, we do. fight it. We do. You know, Jason, this is like this is I remember having fights with people 20, 15 years ago, you know, I can't believe it's that long now. 15 years ago, and even watching 20 years ago, this kind of disconnect between the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, and the civil magistrate and the civil world. I remember watching people just sever those two. Right. And now that I think COVID is a huge marker, but now that COVID has happened and this snowball has gotten so big, they're looking at it and saying, wait a second, that's a problem for my church. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I and Go ahead. I I, th I think though this is this is there are people that want reformation or that seek reformation because they want America restored, mm. and that's the that's what that's the hope for them, right? America restored is the hope, and so we need the church to get it together so that America can be restored. Mm. But that is not the way the gospel actually works right when we think when when um that's that's sort of the right-wing worldliness when we think we need jesus because he will be best at accomplishing our goals um we end up uh we end up often setting ourselves against jesus in jesus name <laughs> because mm. Jesus, Jesus doesn't come in and say, Hey, what do you need from me? All right. Um, I, I actually heard a term um, that, that Dennis Prager uses, which was really interesting because I don't know much about Dennis Prager, uh, but he, uh, he said a, a lot of modern people think of, of God as a giant Butler in the sky. So we, he says, what do you need from me? And we, and, and he's like, that's just not the God of scriptures. And I thought, wait, is didn't, I don't actually know <laughs> Dennis Prager. And that was surprised me that he would say something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's honestly, cause I don't know much. I just have, uh, but that is actually really one of the biggest problems in modern conservative Christianity is that we say, we really need you know, we have lost control and lost power lord restore us to a powerful position so that we can be in charge again and that would be much better mm. um, uh, or america is falling apart it's not like it was when i was young um jesus come fix america and put it back to the way that i liked it but the problem is is we're supposed to be submitting ourselves to Christ's lordship, not asking him to put to, to restore our lordship. If that, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, and uh, politics is downstream from uh, the culture and politics is downstream from the storytelling, you know, and the culture is the, is the heart of culture is the stories we tell. Um, but the, we don't get to because it's downstream our our job is to worship the lord serve him well in in the calling that he's given us become the best 
Christian that that we can and do the best job in our calling and trust the results to him, knowing that they'll be there, but knowing that they're going, they're not going to be controllable. Like it, mm. the, 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 res, the results are like a, um, it, it's like going to the zoo and, and um, our job is to go take the locks off all the cages. Who knows which, animal is actually going to push the gate open how that which animal is going to be, end up where that's not our our job to decide our job is to go release the the lions and the tigers <laughs> right um i mean preach jesus preach the gospel and then be transformed by the renewing of our mind and be as good at our calling as we can be um as as good a Christian as we can be and as good at our calling as we can be and leave the results up to the Lord. So, um, and I think that's always the, the difficulty is that takes faith and hope. We don't have a lot of hope. And I think that's why we end up not releasing the lions. I think I'm working with some of your metaphors here. Uh, <laughs> I just piled them together. Yeah, you I piled just, them together real and, hard. And I'm, I'm making them work. I'm just seeing myself in the zoo running from a bunch of animals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, well, so, so here, here's an example. Just in my, in my industry, um, I get a lot of people that say, "Okay, the Lord has given me a story to tell." Right. So here I am. I'm ready to tell the story. I need some money. You say, "Well, are you good at storytelling yet?" Right. Well, this will be my first screenplay well have you written it yet no i haven't written it yet well let's write it first and see if it's any good um let's and then and then you can improve at your craft mm. your first if if this is the most important one maybe you should write 20 other screenplays first and come back to this one when you're good at the craft right because um, nah that's gonna yeah, take too right? long jason gonna that's take gonna take too, too long. long god right. gave me a gift you know what i mean exactly. I gotta, I gotta use this gift, man. right so that's the not getting good at your craft side. The other side is, hey, we've got to get out there. This is a storytelling fight, and I need to I need to write a great story that um, puts on display this particular truth that is being fought. You know, uh, so I'm going to go write a really, really um, important story uh, about. To, to try and push culture a particular direction right and but you're but then they're not the they're not growing in the lord and so the story's not flowing out of them like it's a true story from them because they aren't the a strong enough christian to tell the story that they're trying to tell and so it feels like propaganda or it is propaganda right mm. it's the story is in service of an idea rather than the story being in service of your audience. Um, the, you, you come to a story to be entertained, moved, uh, to and to have, uh, to enjoy reality, right? Or enjoy, or to, to escape from your life, the hard parts of your life or something. But there's all sorts of reasons that people come to a story. To have your mind changed is not one of them. Right, that's, <laughs> it, that's that, what, but you know what though? 
This is interesting because I think that's exactly why documentaries have been growing over against other on the forms right, of storytelling. Yeah. yeah, on the right, right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the left too. They they've they've done that well, but their documentaries tell better stories than ours do sometimes. Well, most times sometimes. I think. I think I would give them most times their documentaries. They when they did the 13th, the 13th is not a conservative doc at all. But they're making a very, very valid point. Right. And they're telling a great story in the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, but I think that's what <clears throat> it's because they believe it. Right. They they live according to it. They're the they're they're and this is something that a lot of Christians they want to tell um they want to tell stories that are important, but they don't want to live an important life and dig in and you know, and and by that I mean love your family, love your kids, have a good marriage, um you serve the people in your church, you uh, be good be a good neighbor in your neighborhood, right? Man. All of those things, those are the transformative things that make you into the kind of person that can be good at your job. Because so here, think of it this way. Adam was given a job in the garden and then God says, he's not going to be able to do it, right? Mm. I'm going to send him the help he needs, right? The help Jungle he book. needs Jungle. Right, okay. is, 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 Isha or the woman who eventually becomes Eve, right? But he needs to, he needs to um, become the kind of man that can move Isha into Eve, can move a woman to a mother. He needs to become that kind of man that, uh, that brings a, a woman into his mission. And she joins him and says, Ooh, okay. We're now we've got a mission together and gives him the gift of joining his mission that uh, he needs to become that kind of man to be able to do the job that God gave him to do, but he can't do it as the, the Adam that before he goes to sleep and has his rib pulled out, he can't do it when he's the Adam that first sees Eve. He can't do it until, uh, unless he becomes the kind of Adam that protects Eve well mm. and um, and then seduces her well into motherhood, right? Like those, the he needs to be transformed into a different Adam to accomplish the mission that God gave him when he was the Adam that couldn't accomplish it. So we don't want to be transformed to become the kind of people that can accomplish the mission that God has given us. Um, we want to just run out and do it. Would you say that Adam had? Would you say that Adam had to go through death and resurrection to become that? So that was part of the protection, or, or could it happen? You know, so he had to go through. There's two options here, as I see it. Adam, by defending and fighting for and protecting Eve, that matured him into that kind of man, right? It would have, yeah, it right. would have. Or Adam dying for Eve would have, right, so those are the two options, so doing both, so let's say that Eve ate the fruit, Adam comes in here, kills the serpent, stands before God and says, Lord, I take responsibility for all of this, I let this happen, forgive me, uh, forgive her, take it out on me, and giving himself, take it out on me instead, yeah, yeah take, it, take it out on me instead, I'll die for her, right, that yeah. makes him the kind of man that Eve says, wow, right, 
Um, and so we see that in Christ. Yep. Right? We see that I, type, you know. Yeah. And uh, the other option was he gets killed fighting the dragon, right? Like, so, but I think Ugh. one way or the other, the, it's the death. Death of, was in his it, cards. The death was in his cards to be transformed into the kind of man that could Ugh. get the wisdom from Eve that, that God had hidden there that he needed to be able to garden the world. Jason, I want you to find a roll of duct tape and wrap your face twice with it around your mouth. Just, I don't like what you just said here because uh, <laughs> I really don't. No, I'm not even joking. Like, because what you just said is that men have no option but to fight and die, period. That's right. your only options. That's the only options you have as a man is fight and die. And now, there's resurrection. Yeah, that because that's what love looks like. That that's because that's what your wife needs, and that's why that's that's <sighs> she she's the point. She's the I wisdom. Right. Don't you have something to do? <laughs> I mean, uh. I I I do. I've been. I mean, I've been trying to learn to write jokes. <laughs> it's not been, working. It's not. Been, this is not funny, Jason. This I've been, is. Uh, I've been. Uh, that last joke I sent you was pretty funny. Did you even read it? No. Which one? <laughs> I think I sent it Sunday morning. Oh, it's. <laughs> oh, it's in my back pocket. I've no, been trying to write write a bit a day in the mornings. You know. And so I Sunday, I wrote one that cracked me up. So I sent it to you. I'll go. I'll look at that. Is is um. I'll go look at that one, but I, you know, the, that model, that process is not something that's changed. Mm -mm. You know, you, you don't, you're not getting out of that. That's, you know, we talked about wisdoms, like you don't get wisdom apart from death and resurrection, right? That's, that's how you get wisdom. Um, somehow in the modern mind, our, our, our current understanding, this is why stories are so important. This is why, you know, um, Chaucer and reading about knights and uh, the kind of men that fight for a woman's beauty. The, all that stuff is in there. Mm -hmm. All that stuff yeah. is shaping us. But somehow in our current culture, we've got the idea, man, we're all transed up. There, it, yeah. the, the, we got this idea that a woman isn't worth dying for and that a man can do something other than fight and die. Right. It, it, there's some sort of avoiding. And, and what we're acting like is Adam in that same way, avoiding that responsibility to defend and protect our bride. But shoot, we don't even hardly want to get married anymore, let alone, right. get, you know, protect and fight and die. And make a safe place for our wife to go through her deaths and resurrections. I mean, that. Uh, right. So, I mean, because the culture fights just as much the deaths or resurrections that God gives to women that turn them into w vessels of wisdom. Um, it, it's the, the death and resurrection is, or the death is the thing that our culture hates. And so we won't, uh, and, and the church has not done a good job of preaching the resurrection so that we but can face down the death. There... So we can have the courage, right? We're just, a, we're, a, we're, we don't, there's no courage in the church anymore. But they are they are preaching a demonic form of this death and resurrection, though. It's just on the, yeah in the world 
in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, abortion, that's all that is. It's a death, you know, you, something needs to die for you to live. Right. Yeah. It's a death resurrection there. I mean, it's inescapable. Right. Um, and the man isn't anywhere in this. It's the seed of the woman that is right. That They've removed him out of the way. And it's like, Oh, death, the baby dies, the seed of the, of the, of the woman and the seed that your progeny, they're gone. The woman, she gets to live and, there, the the serpent has run off with the woman, you know, <laughs> like yeah, the, right. And then if you don't like who you are and you need to be transformed, then we have a project and a product for you, says Vanderbilt. You know, like there is the that transformation is still happening. It's just transing transforming us into death, yeah, and something well, other than human. It's all, you know what I mean? It's, because unless you have a god that raises the dead then the the why death is you? just a death yes right why so, don't man we don't we don't um. i mean so i i'm i'm teaching through the apostles creed in the sunday school of my church right now and um one of the things in the apostles creed is i believe in the resurrection of body right the resurrection of the dead and it literally is just not taught anymore but it's in the first liturgical poem that was used by the church it's the resurrection of the dead is in there the resurrection of christ is in there and and then our resurrection our coming resurrection is in there um the and then it, it that to become clearer as the creeds go on you get the resurrection of all things right so right the, the, you we but we don't teach that anymore there are doctrines that used to be I mean, like Christ's descent into hell is another one of those doctrines that used to be considered so central to our hope that we said we reminded ourselves of it every week. And now you can't find one in a hundred pastors that can tell you what it is. No, they were actually they they avoid that as they, much as possible right. because it's such a hard. Way. Yeah, yeah. So and, you know, in uh, in the Protestant tradition i think the 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 line the other line that has gone away well you've got a couple you know um i uh i believe in baptism for the forgiveness of sins or ba uh, so that one goes away um and it's the what's ironic is it's the only line in the creed that's taken directly from the scriptures everything else is a summary that's a statement taken directly from the scriptures and so the and the um and then um when I read through the apostles creed, um, I had somebody say, you know, my, the church I grew up in took out the line, the, um, the Holy Catholic, Catholic church. church. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them do most, uh, most, most reforms or they would do. They can't Catholic is a, uh, you know, capital C, I think is it. Is, yeah. Uh, is it, well, that, and it, I mean, the argument in the reformation was over capital C versus lowercase okay, C, C. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for Catholic, which is, which I think was a, is a worthy, argument to have and i'm a protestant through and through um and we should fight for the word we you know because the question is is it a part of the noun or is it an adjective in the sentence right so um and then how which i believe in um the other part of the reformation was a fight over whether the in and i believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic church the communion of saints does that in um it, it, does it 
also, um, is it should it all be be added to all of the lines? I believe in, or just I believe, right? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, or do I believe the Holy Catholic Church, right? So it's an argument. It's a grammar argument, ultimately. <laughs> that has implications though. That, that has implications for all of life and all of society. Uh, you know, so that ends up being an authority question. But all of those things, I think, are they're not even that they're not even that important anymore because we literally don't hold to barely any of the Apostles' Creed anymore. So um, it's a sad state of affairs. Jason, um, I don't want to, I want to get, if Walt Disney was around today, I guess it's not even just Walt Disney, but what would be the new Jungle Book? What would that story be? Or what would be, what would he make that would say, okay, here's our enemies. These are the people who are coming in. Like, okay, define what the current enemy is. And then what would the story be that we should tell? Okay, three things. Do it like this. What is define the current enemy? What is the moral imagination of that current enemy? So that in the story that it's telling. And then what is the story that we need to tell that creates a better or different moral imagination to fight against that? I I think that what ha, what has been effective the the church has not been a place that people want to be mm. and sometimes that's legitimate other times it's not legitimate but that's the story that we are currently losing mm. is what mm -hmm. what is the um so you know something like footloose where the um the the church is the people the, they're the ones trying to keep everybody from dancing right and there was enough of that 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 story rang true to most people they're like yeah that's right the church is the one trying to keep us from dancing right um now is that the entire is that the story is that the actual story in the history of the church no absolutely not right it's um the uh i i mean presbyterians i i love my church but every time we try and clap along to a song i, I have a hard time not just giggling we don't have any rhythm we don't have any it's and it's <laughs> it's really funny uh, yeah tell me the, about it <laughs> but the psalmist says, all peoples clap your hands for joy. And what was funny is I'm, you know, uh, men, we, we mentioned that once to the congregation, like, I know we're bad at this, but it is something we should try to learn. And so now the congregation tries to clap along with songs sometimes. And it's because they're trying to figure out how to be faithful. It's wonderful. Right. Um, yep. Yep. The psalmist says clap. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know how to, I'm not good at that, but, uh, I guess that's what we're doing, right? That's the right attitude. <laughs> and, um, but the church historically has not been uncomfortable with dancing, has not been uncomfortable with art, music, um, and has been a joyful place. Um, but 
when we, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we have walked away from that joy, we've been sometimes legitimately, sometimes illegitimately skewered for being um, joyless, artless. Uh, but, um, oh, I should read that poem that we keep trying to get to the Christmas portions one, because that's what this is about. Should I read that poem? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I just want you to answer my question. So, yeah, <laughs> if that answers it, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're onto something, but, though, when you say, like, the church isn't the place to be. I think as I as I go, you know, Aaron Wren's positive world, neutral world, negative world. Have you heard about that at all? Uh, I I have heard about it some. Yeah. So zero to ninety four was positive world. You know, um, that was when Christianity, it was a positive thing to be a Christian. Uh, it got it was the social capital of that was something to be wanted and desired even from companies and everybody and neighbors. Oh, they're yeah. all Christians. It's amazing. Oh, we love Christians. Thank you so much. Oh, come have this job. Neutral world was between 94 to 2014. And that time is when like it really didn't matter. It was one way or the other. There was no social capital from it. There wasn't any negative social capital. But Christians just didn't have any impact in society whatsoever as far as their uh their status, right? Okay. So being a Christian wasn't, this is from Aaron Wren, being a Christian didn't have any ultimate impact social status whatsoever to a company, to society. From 2014 to current, it's negative world. To be a Christian has a negative influence, impact to culture and society. If you say you're a Christian, it's almost like, oh, you hate people, right? Like, you know, like- right. it, um, you're a hate. And so when you said that, all I could think about was like, that is the current time in, in life right now is that Christianity hates people. Christianity um, uh, is all about power. Christianity is, uh, uh, isn't a fun, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's kind of gotten that negative puritanical attitude to it um, that Puritans want to stop you from dancing. They don't want to have a good time. Um, yeah. You know, you, uh, whatever there's joy in the world. I mean, it's funny because some of it kind of lines up with how some people are. You, know, you can't can't have a you can't smoke no no beer no wine none of that stuff. Yeah, you don't you don't do that. That's not Christianity. They, and they've taken all these wonderful things that God has given us and put them in like gave it all to secularism into the world and said Christians can have it. So some of it is like almost a fair assessment of what Christianity won't let you. Like we don't have a concept for that in, in one sense of Christianity. So I think I'm agreeing with you that, yeah, the, 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 the lie right now is the fact that Christian, no one, well, it's not a lie. No one does want to be at the church. There isn't anything right. good coming from it, right? There's not, it's not well, culturally formative for formational anymore. We, we are critics, not creators. And right. so we, all we're known for is, being critics. And I think that's not historically accurate, but it is currently accurate. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, we define even a faith-based movie based on what's not in it, not based on what's in it. Right. So the faith-based movie is it's family friendly. It doesn't have swearing. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. And that's how we know it's a faith-based movie. Um, it's not based on what's in it. It's based on what's not in it. That's exactly. Um, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. Got to have a gospel presentation. <laughs> that does have to be in it. 
Yeah, but the definition of a gospel presentation is so um, watered down that it, that is not even a part. I mean, it, it do, it's not even a real, I don't know, I'm just showing my cards now, but most of the time it's not even a real gospel presentation. It's because it, 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 that definition can be so thin because you have non-Christians that are like, oh, easy money. Um, I'm going to make some faith-based stuff. And all I have to do is follow this list of things and not let it be put in there. And then, you know, have them say a prayer at some point. Um, and you don't, you don't even, doesn't even have to have good theology, anything. It, it, and it can be considered faith-based because it's the definition is based is what's not in it. Jason, did somebody in the film come to Jesus, had a bad life. <laughs> things weren't going well. They hear the gospel. Jesus saves the sins. They repent, come to Jesus. Bam. I mean, there are some of those, right? Well, then, there are some of those faith-based movies. That's a, a faith-based movie. But that's there's a lot of there's a lot that are that are barely discern in they're indiscernible from a Hallmark movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so those those are those are yeah. We can we they lump into our categories right. of faith. They lump into our categories because they also follow the list of what's not in it. Right. I agree. Right. And so that's our and I think that's our problem is we are more we're as a people we're more critical than we are creative. We eat our own creators. If, if somebody tries to get creative on us, we destroy them. Um, uh, and it, it's, um, it's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs, but I mean, our right now, Christian creators are all having to go to the Mormons to get their money. So, because the church is not, uh, institution that supports creativity as a people i mean we're we're pretty well divided that has not that has been bad as well we're not a unified people so okay. uh but i i do think that we're going to get unified real quick when we get thrust to the back of the bus then we just got to figure out how to get along well enough to turn the back of the bus into a party mm, so you say the 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 narrative now is that no one wants to be a church. So that's the. Yeah. So I think we need to tell stories um, that are true, that are joyful and that have um, going to church as a normal part of life. It's just a normal part of life that they're not store. They're not church stories. I mean, they can be church stories where things happen at church, and but they're just life stories in which church is normal and joyful and fun and you know, all those things. I mean, I, I'm, no one, you know what though? No one would know how to tell that story. I can't think of. We do have a pilot episode that's almost done. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. I was thinking of outside of us. <laughs> but yes, I you're right. I don't think we know how to tell the story because well, because for one, the Christian Christians are like really quick to cancel somebody if they you know, even say one little thing about Baptists or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> 
Would you know a guy? I know a guy. <laughs> Christians are so quick to cancel someone. They're so cynical. They're so um, we're we are so critical that uh, somebody that's taking a risk storytelling wise um, thinks twice. You know, do I really want to tell this joke? Do I really want to to tell this story? Oh, well, I'm going to get a lot of flack from my people, right? From my people, it's one thing to say like, oh, yeah, um, you know, that the one of the scripts I'm working on right now, I know that the progressives aren't going to like, but I don't care. That doesn't bother me. I want but I do want my people to like it. Right. I want to serve. I want to serve my people. Um, And uh, it's uh, I. so, you know, you write as I'm writing jokes. I'm thinking, you know, what? So. I, I don't think joke. it works like that. I don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I just I was just writing this joke that I thought was really funny. Um, you could tell me if you think it's funny, but it's a it's a guy. He was talking to uh, a, a well. Here, I'll, I'll just read it. You can tell me if you think that this is a funny joke or not. All right, on and the spot. I, I, here we go. <laughs> right on the spot. Right. So I'm putting it into this was uh, this was as as I'm working on this script. Um, hit this thing where it's uh um okay uh so it's just you know guy says oh you might not believe it but i uh i do get how the gays feel coming out of the closet he said i had to let twitter know that i was a conservative and his hey nazi destroyed any women's rights late destroyed any women's rights lately it's basically hey faggot you get aids yet then he says, though, admittedly, my coming out was a little less AIDS-y, right? <laughs> right? So I, I'm writing this joke, and immediately I was like, can I say any of this? Am I allowed to say any of this? No? Is it funny? If, if yeah. it was for Dave Chappelle, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> right, right. I know. You right? know like... so, and, I, and I thought, but th- but but this is this i was thinking how is how would these two particular people in this script actually come up against one another what would the what would the conversation really be like in real life you know you've got a guy that just doesn't that he's trying to f- say no i get it i'm we're we're actually a lot the same yeah yeah, um, yeah and what would that really look like in real life and then i was like and i cut it <laughs> right, like, you, well i, I, I don't think I, I don't think society or any side would allow. No, no side is going to like that. No, 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 no no side is going to like that. (laughs) No side is going to like that. I I disagree with you, though, on one thing, though, Jason. I don't think (laughs) that you have to write things that Christians like in order to be able to influence them. I don't I don't think so either. But I think they're the people that I want to serve. Right. Yeah. But but that's but but they these are people who are secretly privately watching Game of Thrones. I think that's probably true. And if, but, but they have a different. I watch Jason. I watched, I watched these folks. I'm sorry, man. I just got it. I watched these folks <laughs> complain about every episode of the Lord of the Rings rings of power. <laughs> right. Cause they, cause, cause they, they watched it. it. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they have a, there's a different standard. If it's a Christian making the art. Um, it, Well, it depends on how much they knew about, I mean, but if you were still making that, I I I don't think they would watch it and then they would be like, "Oh, this is horrible." 
you know, the, but the, the episode three, <laughs> episode maybe, four, maybe episode but, five. But you know, as I as I'm writing, right, like you, there's a, there comes a point where you're writing a, a you know a character a character that's quoting another character, right. And speaking a certain way. And, um, and, and, and Christians will say, man, Christians can't write something like that. Right. Cause they, because no, you're, that's not you're right. They, they, they get it dug about that. When he wrote ride Sally ride, he wrote his characters and they got mad at the way that his characters interacted. And it's like, but that's actually how that character would right. interact. And, and when you're, when somebody eat, when somebody says the wrong thing one of the ways we learn to not talk a certain way is because we see people say the wrong thing and we learn oh that's not right but if we never put that into our stories we never get that wisdom right but that's but christians don't have wisdom to because of because of the critical nature in which we approach not critical because we're critics in the way that we approach art and not connoisseurs not not human beings that are uh we we don't even know how to we we want bad guys that aren't even bad enough i mean that that are right, either right. they are the devil incarnate and so it's okay you know they're sauron so they can be killed and that's which is fine i love lord of the rings so you can have that um they're comfort but christians are comfortable with a sauron um or they're comfortable with somebody that's just they're not really that bad and because they don't say anything that i wouldn't want my kids to hear ever and you know um so there's there's no way to write truthful stories that truthfully re reflect reality i mean no i, do, I hear we do kids shows really well which is important that's not a bad thing we do kids shows really well yeah we do no, we, we don't do, <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> we, yeah, maybe not. We don't I mean, do we, kids shows we, really well. Well, there's a lot of Christians that work on the kids shows, are out of the you know that are being made right now. Yeah, but those aren't Christian kids shows. That's true. We, yeah, we, we we probably don't do Christian kids shows really well. No, you know the thing that bothers, like part of I I see what man this is a different conversation it has so many <laughs> so then are you saying then now you've that you got me just speaking all my frustrations that's well you know this is a counseling session sometimes on Knox unplugged yeah usually it's for me now it's help for me. you help yeah. me <laughs> but um are you saying that Walt Disney could not make anything right now that would have impact in society i, to, I don't to think fight he, against yeah. whatever the woke stuff and all the other marxists I mean, I don't think I don't think so, because I think what we need now is stuff that is explicitly Christian to rebuild those foundations. Well so you said we need, yeah. we need we need a reformation to even get there first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So he was he was preserving something that was still there in society. Right? Mm. He was fighting for something that was still there. He it, he he was adding salt um, to the meat so that it wouldn't go bad. The meat now is gone. So what we actually need is to raise cows again. We need to build ranches, right? And that's and so that that's a church thing. That's a that, that's a that's this is why what you were talking about earlier. This goes back to your family thing. This goes back to your church. 
this we are man jason every time we talk and the more and more i think about this we really are 100 to 150 years out there is we're three generations out from the things that we see in christianity we want to do we really can't do yet until we have worked through education I don't see, you know, I don't see how we get there any other way. And maybe it's, you kind of have to work the both end, the front and the back. You know, you try and preserve one thing and you rebuild the other. You know, sword and shit and, and trowel, you kind of have to have both. You got to fight and you got to build those two things. We don't probably really understand we're really in a ruined environment. Like we, we're at the ruins of it. It's not standing anymore. We're, it, it's destroyed. The ruins are everywhere. And we're acting like we have walls to build and we're picking out drapes. It's like, you can't put drapes on this, man. <laughs> like, right. you, yeah. you, you, you don't have a wall to put drapes on. Yeah. You're like, oh, the, we actually need to pour concrete. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we're in the, we're in a phase in which you say, oh man, I didn't protect the house and it burned down. So then, so then. Um, there is a group of people out there of Christians who are like, man, we need to take back the arts. We need to take back the arts. We need to take back the arts. There's this other group of pr people out there. It's like, we know what? We just need to preach the gospel, man. We just need to preach the gospel. God didn't tell us to be worried about our stuff. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to um, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ every area of life and, 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 um, and then let that reformation just do its thing and praise God and we're out. And, th and you got these two different groups, one on each side, and the two aren't meeting at all. Right. Um, except, I, but I, except I, I think in politics. Yeah, except for <laughs> politics. But I th and but that's because we're Machiavellians, and so we're just looking for power. But I think the reality is that we need a reformation that and artists that are called to the arts to be transformed by the gospel and go out as transformed people into their calling. But we need that for plumbers. We need that for politicians. We need that for um, for mm. moms. Yeah. Uh, we need that for school teachers. Right. That that the gospel transforms them into the kind of people that that see the truth, see how beautiful it is, and can put that on display in their particular calling. Right. That that doctrine of calling <laughs> is as uh, we've lost it, and so I think that we have a. Um, we don't have much power at all. Uh, you know, it, right. this is, this is what's really gotten me so upset and I'm, I'm happy for all the alternative secular things that I'm seeing being made. But one of the things that bother me about these alternative secular, so, you know, um, we don't need a Facebook. We need a Christ book. We don't need a YouTube. We need a God too. We don't need, you know, and it's just alternative, alternative. And what I'm seeing is a tendency for us to virtue signal just on the other side, instead of right. going and saying, how do we as Christians make something that is just awesome? Right? I, I don't want to, yeah. right? whatever that is, whatever my skill set is, um, um, uh, barely biblical, the guy that yeah. um, at lore, he, um, one of the things that he said when he was at the conference was I was at a fight left feast conference and I was watching, I was like, man, I can't do any of the things that those guys are doing. Um, and uh, so what do, what do I have? What do I do? And I think his wife told him, like, you're an artist. Go make art. Like, you go go make a cartoon. That's what you do. And, and, and it struck me. I'm like, I hope that people are hearing that, like what his wife told him. Like, mm -hmm. the, back to the wife once again, right? Like, there goes. Right. 
Um, well, it's it, like it, not not to like what we do across politics. That's what we do. What do you have that you do? You know, I hope God raises up, you know, uh, 30 more across politics and I'm starting to see them pop up everywhere. So I'm yeah. super excited about that. I mean, I'm watching ministries um, become cultural commentators and talk about legal stuff that they would have never talked about before. John MacArthur is writing letters to the government governor. Oh my goodness. Praise God. He's a theonomist. Um, you know, I, I'm so happy. <laughs> well, one of my favorite guys that. that I follow on LinkedIn is a guy that does pest control, right? He, and he loves his job and he's always talking about, he's like telling stories. Oh man, I found so many roaches in this house and this is what I had to do. And, and, and like when his stuff pops up on LinkedIn, I get excited because he is, he loves his job and he just can't wait to, to tell people it's like hey you want to know how to keep out bats you know or whatever whatever the pest is and um you can tell that god called him to this job and he really he has been transformed and he loves it and i and and i and and i find it encouraging to read his little stories about pest control um because i actually really enjoy my job too um and uh the so I, I recognize the joy that he has, but also I'm like, whoa, I never thought of crickets or roaches or whatever it is that he's talking about um, that way. You know, it, so I think that's the thing that we don't understand is that fundamental connection between humans. You know, when you meet somebody, um, you know, I, 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 and you find out what they do and then they get, they tell you a, and they tell you stories there's always wisdom to be learned in there because it's a human being doing what they're called to do um and there should be a rejoicing in all of that rather than a which is the most important type of question because you know who knows which is the most important we don't get to decide that we just get to do our best at the job that god has called us to um and and be transformed by the renewing of our mind in order to charge into that job you know these these answers are never satisfying <laughs> they're not they're just not satisfying because i come from an environment in a culture where um i the the mechanism is what i'm looking for you know i'm looking for the the plug and play method you know I'm, it's, i want it a lot easier than what it is and it's really just, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not going yeah. to be just this plug and play setup. That's not how it works. That's not how the world is designed. Yeah. Um, you never, you never get cultural transformation without individual transformation. And that's what we want. We want the culture to be fixed without having to go through the deaths and resurrections in our own lives. As if the culture is something that's real and exists outside of just the people. It's just the habits of people gathered together. That's what a culture is. Yeah. I, you know, go find the serpents, man, go find the serpents in your backyard and start killing right. them. Yeah. Right. Like that's where you really, you know, I love uh, what Michael Foster is doing County before country, you know, um, I think that's uh, what he's basically saying. There's a localistic aspect to, to this thing is home first. It's managing that first. It's lording over that first. It's the disciplines there first. It's protecting that garden first. 
uh, cultivating that garden first. And from that, you get something else. And even in the Westminster Confession of Faith, it opens up uh, Thomas Matton, I believe it is, making that argument about society. In, eight, in 1680, 1640s, 47, I think he's making an argument about like society is just going to crap. <laughs> and it's because right. fathers and the homes are gone. This is in the 1600s, you know, mid 1600s. Right. And you're like, whoa, what? He's like, and everybody knows it. He's like, and so he's begging with for fathers to do some of the basic things like disciple their kids and catechism questions and yeah. Westminster Confession of Faith so that the work of the pastor is easier, that they don't have to deal with such an ignorant base of people about doctrine and things of the Bible and things of the Lord so that they can build on top of the foundation that's been set at home by fathers and by men. And, yeah. and then they, those kind of people go out into society and make good pastors. Those people go out of society and make good journalists. Those people go out of society and make good doctors and good lawyers and good mechanics and, and then good uh, political leaders. You know, th that's, we don't, um, unfortunately, we have Trump, but we don't get out of Trump unless we raise the next, you know, president, you know, the yeah. next George Washington or whoever else we need. Well, to. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people right now complaining about uh, everything that I see on TV has incompetent dads and has uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the dad's a clown and can't do anything right. And, and I, um, that wouldn't resonate if that wasn't actually a real problem. Mm. Like if, if you watch a show about an incompetent dad and you're like, dads aren't like that, then yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah. The story wouldn't, the story doesn't resonate. Right. So the problem is that the, it's a mirror that's being shown to us and we think it's a prophecy or we think it's influencing us. And we're like, the problem is this mirror. And so we go around trying to <laughs> break, break the mirrors, paint over all Destroy the mirrors. Destroy the mirror! Rather yeah. than, you know, becoming a different growth, but rather than becoming different. So the reflection is different. So I, uh, and everybody and, knows it. And, and everybody, everybody, knows, yeah, everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm still in that. That's you expect to hear that on Whitlock. That's, that's coming with me. <laughs> we want to break the mirror. Uh, but but uh yeah i would i mean i think we need to become a people that one i think support our artists that are that are reflecting reality to us well um and uh and then be transformed into people that can do our do our job, whatever it is better. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I work in media and writing and arts and, and so I, I'm trying to always go back to the Lord, be, can be, be transformed so that when I go to write, it comes out of me naturally, but it doesn't matter what you do. That's what you should be doing. Uh, we're gonna have to get to that poem another time. <laughs> we keep on we keep on mark dotty doesn't yeah okay maybe we make that make ourselves a promise next week we next start time. with yeah. the poem we'll start with the poem and uh and it can be our the beginning of our conversation that's good thanks jason yeah that's that's good stuff